We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And at long last, we are at opening night. And so we're going to preview tonight's game against the Golden State Warriors. And it's one in which I think we have a good shot. I think there are some environmental factors working against the Warriors. Ring nights can be interesting, right? It's uh, You have this whole presentation, and it's the culmination of the season before. Everyone gets their ring. They're happy and excited, but I think your mind can be elsewhere. The Warriors also have the incident with Draymond and Jordan Poole. Draymond's supposed to play tonight, and just in general, there are many things going on uh, that I think the Lakers have have a shot tonight. The injury report came out yesterday. We had a report that Dennis is going to be out three to four weeks with a thumb issue. Thomas Bryant was a surprise on the injury report as well with a thumb. He will be out tonight as well. Mike, I'm curious if you know any more details about that once it swings around to you. But yeah, we have most of our guys tonight. Very curious who we start, who guards who. I think that's going to be a topic. Darius, what do you see from tonight's game against the Warriors? Well, well, well. (laughs) The NBA season is upon us. I feel like it's a year-round sport now, especially with the pod. We're always talking Lakers basketball, but now there's actual meaningful, like this counts in the record book stuff, right? And so this is where I feel like we really start to learn about Darvin Ham. And I think we're going to learn a little bit based off of what the starting lineup is. I think we're going to learn a little bit based off of what the defensive matchups are. I think we're going to learn a little bit on what his rotation looks like. Mike, over the time that you've been with the Lakers, you've seen a lot of head coaches. You're actually here during the time where there has been a fair amount of transition with Lakers head coaches. You saw Phil Jackson and then you saw the departure of Phil Jackson. And then you saw the flirtations with Phil Jackson only to not be hired again. And you've seen Byron Scott, you saw Luke Walton, you saw Frank Vogel, right? And so the last time that we- Don't forget Mike Brown. Yeah, Mike Brown, no. Bernie Bickerstaff. Hey, you saw Bernie Bickerstaff. Shout out to the undefeated one. The legend. And so 
The last time we were talking about a head coaching change with this team, it was around Frank Vogel. And Frank Vogel had a history. We knew him. He coached at Orlando. He had coached at Indiana. He had coached in high leverage playoff games. And we had stuff to call on with him. Darvin, we've got a lot of press conferences and a handful of preseason games were in the second half. He clearly was not focusing on winning the basketball games. And we talked about that a little bit the other day. And so for me, I'm like, okay, well, I have more questions. There's a bunch of stuff I think we know from personnel matchups. But a lot of that is dictated by what the coach does in order to deploy and exploit and mitigate those matchups, right? And so, Mike, in kicking it to you, where's your head at around a matchup where you've been to a ring night with, like, the Lakers celebrating these and what that vibe is like? You've been around teams that had a little bit of drama. There's a lot of different places to take this stuff, but but where are you at going into another opening night as the sideline reporter for the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, as the sideline reporter, I do want to unfortunately have to fact check Darius, and I believe it was four and one. Uh, yes, I thought that too. So, <laughs> Highest winning percentage so in Lakers history. Man, yes, but yes, <laughs> you gave a man a win that he you know he would want for the record books. Uh, to not be in there because I know when people, when Laker fans listen to you, Darius, you know, it's, it's all accepted as fact as, as well. It should be. Uh, and, and so, you know, you, but you were really just more trying to make a point, which you did and it was effective. And now I've, I've have stepped on it. So apologies. Um, in terms of, I, I kind of just go with Pete's initial point of if the Lakers are going to win this one, it's going to be more because of the emotional level and sort of the way that, Golden State plays uh, and and LeBron and AD still being really good, you know, because I, I think the Lakers are such a work in progress where there are so many questions. We don't for sure know the starting lineup. We don't for sure know the rotation. There was a surprise, as Pete mentioned, Thomas Bryant. There's nothing new on that, Pete, other than that he's out tonight. But he was one of the few guys that actually played all six preseason games. And then he's not available. And as you guys have done, uh, Darius did some net rating deep dive from the preseason and I'll, I'll save that stat for you since you looked it up and needless to say he was better than Damian Jones, right. And maybe he had earned that backup spot. So a lot of questions going in being at ring nights over the years, uh, the first ring night I was at the Lakers won. they beat the Clippers pretty handily. I think it was, I just looked it up as 99, 92 after they won the Oh nine title. Um, that was their game the next year. And then the, the 10, 11 season, I think they lost that game. Uh, who was that against? That was against, oh no, they won that game too. So they beat Houston uh, in that game. And I mean, it just depends on like that team had tremendous continuity and they added a couple of key pieces. But I, I do think in Golden State's case, it's not like they're just going to say, oh, ring night, this is amazing. And then forget how to play the way they play. And, and so you can't completely count on that happening with Steph Curry out there. Uh, and everybody else, they're they're fully healthy. Uh, Iguodala is not going to play. I think they've been calling it left hip management or something like that. And um, they're, <laughs> but they're you know they're full rotation and everybody is ready to play. So the Lakers are an underdog in this game. Uh, do they have the requisite talent to, to find a way to get a win? Yes, but uh, as much as Pete, I think that might be the best chance to hope Golden State is slipping. I don't think you can count on it. So that's not where I'm coming from, really, that that's our only chance is them slipping. Golden State is... I know. I know you're not. And I didn't mean to say that you were, because I know you got all kinds of ideas and rotations. it's it's not a matter of ideas. We we beat them last year with our crappy team last year. Like, it's the regular season coming off of a championship. Like, they're not going to be... Like, 
this happens over the course of 82. Obviously, it's opening night, right? This is a special night. It's a ring night. I'm just saying that they have factors working against them. I don't think that receiving your championship ring is a positive in terms of how that influences that game that night. I think it's a slight negative for the team, you know, that's playing. And so... That's it. We've got LeBron and AD at the same time. I think a lot of our opinion of what this team is has been formed over the last 18 months where those two have barely played together. I think they played like 20% of the potential games they could have played together over that time. And that is something that usually Golden State has problems with is big athletes. We have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they can be effective inside. They're not a physical team, which I think is, I think big physical teams are going to be the ones that have give us more of an issue. So I think the Clipper game, for example, the next game coming up, it's going to be more difficult than this one tonight. Um, and so how that works out, I'm very curious. And so this, I want to get to this when we're, whenever we preview games, kind of a, a who guards who. Now, to that end, right before this pod, uh, Pat Bev, Pat Bev's pod, he had a comment on there saying, ah, the Russ off the bench thing was us just giving that a shot to look to see what it looks like with Russ with the second unit. But we all know he's not coming off of the bench. So curious to see who starts tonight. Right. But one of the things that stands out to me is Pat Bev defensively in terms of looking at who guards who. Uh, I think there's a good chance that Pat Bev ends up on uh, an Andrew Wiggins. So Darius, that's going to be one of the themes of early in this season. If we're starting three guards, whether it's Russ or Austin, right? I think Russ would come in for uh, for Austin in that uh, scenario. Someone's going to have to guard up. And this is something we've talked about a lot. And we've talked about it in theory, but this is an actual player. And so Andrew Wiggins, let's put him in the center of the spotlight. He's someone that does a lot for Golden State and provides, I think, a great deal of their athleticism and size. And so talk to me about the matchup with Andrew Wiggins tonight. Before we do that, I had missed Pat Bev's comments. So are we now back into the zone of like, Russ is going to, we think Russ is going to start tonight. I have no idea what's going on, but Pat Bev speaking with confidence on his pod, like we all know that Russ isn't going to start. I don't freaking know, man. So um, I think that's, so, that's part of where we're at though, right? Well, this is also part of the Pat Bev experience. Is so shout out <laughs> new media. Um <laughs> So I think Wiggins is the pivot point for a lot of things. But Golden State is a tricky team because they actually do have natural matchups for both LeBron and AD, right? And so one of the things that I try to reverse engineer in terms of lineups and who guards who is finding the places where who is LeBron going to defend? That's one of the first questions I ask. Right. Is who is LeBron going mm. to defend? And then next is what is the best utilization of Anthony Davis? And so LeBron is going to be best suited. He is the best option for Draymond Green, I think. And why and is that? Because Draymond is a non-shooter. Draymond finds himself in the middle of the action a lot. And Draymond sort of quarterbacking of the Warriors offense suits well against LeBron sort of middle linebackering of the Lakers defense in in a lot of ways. And it, Draymond being both up on the ball is going to allow LeBron, I think, late switch opportunities and a lot of stuff where he could leverage his size potentially against Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, jump out on handoffs, and a lot of things that Anthony Davis could do very well too, right? If the Lakers were playing um, a bigger lineup. 
But in this case, LeBron is going to do that. AD is going to have to defend whoever starts at center, Kevon Looney, most likely. And so that's that. If Russ is going to start, I might actually put Russ on Wiggins. Yeah. Better athlete, bigger player than Pat Bev. Yeah. And just someone where it's just like, I think Wiggins is going to eat against whoever guards him. Honestly, he's going to get into the mid range. He's going to get into the post. But the reason why I say that is because I think if Pat Beverly starts, I think his navigation of screens and his toughness and his ability to hold up in the post is a good counterpoint to Clay Thompson, assuming that Clay Thompson starts, right? Gotcha. And Mike, in the preseason game that we watched against the Warriors, Lonnie Walker defended Steph Curry yeah. a little bit, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he did. And so I think if Walker, st- so assuming a starting lineup of Walker, Pat, Bev, Russ, LeBron and AD, I think Russ is the one who gets kicked up to yeah. Wiggins Pete. And I think Walker with his sort of athleticism and um, hopefully that ability to sort of have some motor and play with motor and just sort of track guys. And he's done a good job of getting over screens as well, that he's likely the matchup for Steph. But if you're asking me how I like these matchups, like I don't like these matchups very much, honestly, but with the Lakers personnel, I'm not sure I'd, I'd have to really rework the starting lineup in a way to get to the to get to the matchups that I actually want. And I'd probably be replacing two or three guys in order to get better defenders on the floor in general, which isn't the direction the team is go going in. So I don't want to lament that too, too much. Mike, how important is Wiggins to you within the context of what the Warriors are trying trying to do? Or are you still thinking about like, look, let's not get galaxy brain here. The important things are Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and how you navigate all of these screen actions and tracking on and off the ball against two of the best shooters in the world. I guess I'll just first say that, and to reiterate, I guess not the first time I've said it on the podcast is that I don't know if the Westbrook plus LeBron and AD grouping is the best. And I think that we've seen plenty of evidence for that uh, last season and in this preseason and just in general. So I'll be curious if that's what if that's what happens and then how long that lasts and et cetera. But against the Warriors with this specific matchup. Yeah. Wiggins at the three. I mean, we saw how he played as a different player last postseason, how he rebounded, um, how he was more aggressive. How he was he just is using his size more. And that does present a problem. The only player that the Lakers really have on the roster that could size up in that context would be Juan Toscano Anderson. And that is not a look that they have shown. And I, in fact, I would like that, especially for this matchup, because nobody knows how the Warriors move better than he does. Uh, and that might be something that he could help dictate. But starters versus bench, that's th- that still, I think there's an idealized version of it, but I'm not sure it would make the ultimate difference anyway. What I wanted to get to was I asked Anthony Davis a question at yesterday's practice, and it does appear that regardless of what they do in the backcourt, that he's going to start at the center. Unless Darwin goes back to the, okay, we're, we're going to play Damian Jones and we'll start big. I think that would be less likely. But what they what the Lakers have been typically wanting to get accomplished is putting in this kind of drop scheme and similar to what Milwaukee was doing. And you can't really do that against Steph. And the Warriors. And mm-hmm. so I asked AD a question kind of 
explicitly saying, well, isn't it harder to do that against Steph? And he said, without saying what we're going to do, I would imagine you, you should imagine that we're going to be switching things up some. So they're not going to just come out and drop AD to the rim um, against Steph Curry. And so, Pete, maybe I can kick to you as to specifically what that means a little bit more. Yeah, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll get into that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's something that I've been curious about that I think is one of the next steps in terms of Darwin's implementation of scheme is what do your variations look like? I think that camp and preseason are very much for your base coverages, especially when you're a new coach with a new group. In every game, we're going to work on the things that that we're trying to implement and kind of the base coverages of that. And we're not really going to switch up too much. We did bring up AD a little bit higher against Golden State. But again, you're trying to build habits at that point. Well, now we're in the point where we're looking to win games. And so I'm Darvin had made comments during camp like we're going to have a red coverage, which means to switch. We're going to have all of these variations, right, that eventually, and but you have to build up to that. And so Golden State is one of those teams that directly challenges, just like I think inspired the question in the first place, Mike, that whole idea of we're going to keep people in front of you and force you to shoot jump shots. If you do that with the Golden State Warriors, D, they're like, great, this is what we do. This is why we've won so many championships. And so seeing that in the first game and then in the second game, I think against a team that's a little more straightforward on on that front, but is also a very good shooting team in the Clippers, I think poses two uh, challenges to the basic idea of how the defense is going to work this year. And so AD starting at the five, whether it's Golden State or anywhere else, I think one of the reasons that happened is he's the one five that we have that's not just a great defender, which he is, but even a good one. That's not really what Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones are best at. They're both better on the offensive end. And so to start defensively, at, at the very least, um, as at a higher level with the ability to protect the rim, I think AD got that spot. And that's the look that Darvin is going toward. Against a team like Golden State, they're not as big for most of the game. Although this year with Kaminga and Wiseman, I suspect having bigger roles, maybe they will be for longer. But uh, that's one of the first things that I look at is what do the variation coverages look like when you've spent all of this time working on your base? So with you talking right now and with the question that Mike posed to AD, I maybe want to go back and re-examine the matchups thing that I had mentioned earlier about LeBron 
defending Draymond. So in the preseason game, Draymond did not play because he was away from the team after punching a teammate. And so the Warriors ended up running a lot of their actions through Looney. Looney was doing a lot of the Draymond stuff, and it put AD in the center of the frame a lot, and the Lakers centers a lot in the center of the frame because they were doing a lot of their screening with their big big man. Even when Wiseman came in, they were running more straight pick and rolls rather than pick in the short roll action and stuff like that. So, Pete, after you talking it through some, and after the idea that AD, would you want? Do you want AD more as a helper? playing against Looney, potentially, in some of these actions, and being the second side guy, where maybe they're running more second side action, where he's the guy who was helping off of curls, mm-hmm. right, for Clay Thompson on weak side action? Or do you want AD defending Draymond, right. and then potentially then having LeBron on Looney, where... Looney's going to operate more in the dunker spot. He's going to play higher a little bit, but he's going to be the second side guy where LeBron, where I think that activates LeBron as like the the passing lane jumper and the guy who is a short roll pickup guy, right? Where him and AD have beautiful symmetry in how to handle short roll, where they pass off each other in ways that um, I think is super important. And that works best when AD is at the ball, right, and LeBron is the one helping rather than it being the opposite. So where are you at with that as I re-examine yeah. these things in my own it's mind? It's an interesting question. These are the questions and conversations that they have in the coach's room before every game, and uh, I think this is kind of at the center of a philosophical question for Darwin throughout the year is, how much do I want LeBron running around versus being a big man that has to make reads. In my ideal world, LeBron's defensive role this year is someone where he doesn't have to run around much. He's more relied upon as a bigger player than one that has to chase around on the perimeter and is relied upon to make the correct play, not the one that causes him to scramble all over the place. And so one of the things about the guy that guards Draymond is that you get to be a bit of a rover in certain actions, but it can very quickly flow into a handoff with Steph Curry, a handoff with Jordan Poole, where it's like, oh, crap, we got to get out there. And so against a team like Golden State, I actually lean a little bit more toward AD on Draymond if LeBron is also on the floor. My biggest concern, Mike, is actually the bench groups in terms of our collective size. And one of the things that can happen that other teams will do when it's just AD on the floor and say we got like Matt Ryan at the four, which is one of my concerns about a look that we might have, is that – okay, we're going to pull you out onto the perimeter, AD, and everyone else behind you is so small that we can really take advantage of that in the paint. And so it's cool. it's almost like we're just going to take you out of the play. And so how far forward I want AD is going to depend on who else is on the floor. Is there someone else back there that can rotate and help? And to me, that's LeBron, Wenyon, obviously TB is out, uh, Damian Jones, right, can provide a shot blocking presence. And so that's kind of where I go on that. But like, AD as a defensive weapon to be deployed wherever is going to be a choice Darwin makes every game this season. And I'm super curious to how that looks. Where do you stand on kind of that uh, Draymond versus Looney point? I think that that is fine uh, for it. I I think that my concern would be more not just with Steph, but then Jordan Poole running a lot of the same actions. And what happened last Mm -hmm. year a lot with the Warriors is that teams would kind of say, okay, well, Steph's off the floor for these couple minutes 
and not quite realize that Jordan Poole is just going to jack a lot of the same shots and he's going to hit a decent amount of them. And in the preseason game, he had, I think, through three quarters, the exact same stat line as Steph, basically like 25 points, about the same number of shots. Uh, I think he's coming in with a big point to prove. Mm -hmm. And Lonnie Walker did a nice job on Steph, but then who do you have coming off the bench that's going to try to be able to use some of those same actions that's not going to have AD coming up to support? That's going to be, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Wendy Gabriel? Is it going to be Jones? Is it going to be, so I, I just think that this Warriors team is a threat for 48 minutes and the Draymond and Looney thing is part of it. But to me, it's still that just having to be constantly aware on the perimeter requires a team that's really on a string defensively. And that's how that the 1920 version got to be there, got to of the Lakers got, got there pretty quickly. And they did great against guards like Dame and like Steph by trapping and then rotating. And and this team is far from that, just based on continuity and reps and new system. And so that's to me where the toughest part is going to be is hanging with the Warriors all night. One of the things I liked, D, real quick about uh, the preseason is our guards defensively and how they kind of scrambled and recovered. One of the things that Lonnie, I thought, did particularly well was navigate screens and use his athleticism to get over the top and bug guys and, you know, drop down into the paint to help close out hard and get a good contest up. Uh, Austin had a couple of blocks and, and contests on that front. So that is the one aspect of our defense that I'm uh, I feel good about in terms of being able to uh, our guards being able to navigate screens well, but the Warriors present a whole different challenge on that front. No, they definitely do. And look, we could be we could live in the weeds in terms of how do you stop the Warriors defense? Like we saw that be a question all the way through the NBA finals and the supposed best defense the world had ever seen. Pete, did you know it was like the best defense that the world uh, had ever seen those Boston Celtics? I heard with, that once or twice. Anyways, they had the same yeah. issues with all their big wings and mobile bigs and switchability and on and on and on and on and on. And look, stopping the Golden State Warriors is hard. And if this was only a game where Darvin Ham has, has that drill where he says, it's just like you actually score by getting stops, right? And so the point is to like, okay, well, that's how we get, get our points. If the entire game was the Warriors are on offense, the entire time and the Lakers are on defense the the entire time, then I'm pretty sure the Warriors are going to win that matchup more often than not. Right. But basketball is a two way game and it's a flow sport and you transition from one side of the court to the other. So in keeping with that idea, I'd like to transition to the Lakers offense a little bit Love because that. the Lakers offense struggled some during the preseason. They had really rough goes of it over the last two or three games, particularly in the half court. But one of the games where I felt like they did a particularly good job of getting into stuff in the half court, especially was against the Golden State Warriors. And this is where where where's your comfort level with the Lakers offense going up against this specific version of the Warriors defense where Draymond plays and where the Lakers have most of their offensive guys available to them, right? And, and so Dennis won't play, of course, but he's really the only quote-unquote main offensive guy who won't be available tonight. And so the Lakers, in theory, have all of their guns. They've got, all, they've got a lot of attack players from the guard, guard position. They've got LeBron healthy. They've got AD healthy. If Patrick Beverly is right, Russell Westbrook is going to play. 
And, and so there's firepower in order to attack the Warriors, a Warriors team that can be a little bit loose with the ball in terms of turnovers, creating transition opportunities. And so what's the game plan offensively for the Lakers going into tonight against a Warriors team that has been underrated defensively and has really made their bones on that side of the ball too? This is where I want to know. I want to know what Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook are thinking because there are certain parts of the offense with LeBron. We all are very comfortable with the decisions that he's going to make, um, even if he's going to probably shoot more jumpers this season than he has in the past. I want Anthony Davis, and I, and I trust what he wants to do, although I do think there's a difference between AD and when Looney's on the court versus when they bring in Wiseman or Kaminga, mm -hmm. and that's what happened in the preseason game. Looney's really solid. He just kind of stays home, and AD's like, all right, I guess I'll just take this jumper you're giving me. But the second that Kaminga or Wiseman's in there, it's like, all right, now now I can get these easy buckets because these guys don't know what they're doing as much. So, But all of that I'm great with. And Lonnie Walker making those quick north-south decisions, that's great. You know, Kendrick Nunn coming in and being aggressive, love that. But, you know, we've seen pockets of the preseason where Patrick Beverly has wanted to have the ball and orchestrate things and kind of show that he's there. I'd rather that that comes more on the defensive end. And then same thing with Westbrook, like what, how aggressive versus passive is he going to be? Is he going to try to be old Russ? Is he going to try to do all those things? Which is again, why I, I would prefer it, that stagger um, if that's going to be what the rotation decision is. So they, the Lakers have enough and I, we just don't know how the players are going to prioritize what the looks that they're going to get are. And we didn't get a chance to really see a full sample of that in the preseason. And, and so I'm, it's, it's sort of show me mode in that sense for me. Pete, Mike said that the Lakers have enough. Darvin Ham thinks so too. He said, we have enough, but will we do enough? And so what does doing enough look like for you, particularly? Yeah, so I think Mike's point about when, AD really turned up the gas against Golden State in the preseason is informative on how tonight's game will look. AD had 28 points in 21 minutes, but as you pointed out the day after that pod, uh, AD was kicking Wiseman's ass, right? Like in terms of shot attempts and when AD really looked to attack, it was when Looney was off of the floor. And so how that looks with the starters, like to me, I want to make Steph and Clay run around on defense. I want Lonnie Walker to be super aggressive. That's something that in terms of how the players implement it, right? Like the the Pat Bevs and Russes and the decision making and all of that. I am curious to see that in a regular season setting where we do have all of our guys or we have enough of our guys tonight at key spots, particularly that like downhill type of attacker. We talked about the five that we have on the team. Four of them are playing tonight with Dennis being the one who's not. That's plenty. You need at least one on the floor at all times, preferably two. And we should be able to have lineups that do that. And so to me, that's like make make Steph guard Lonnie Walker. If, if Lonnie's guarding Steph, make him defend on the other end as well. Be aggressive at getting downhill and into the uh, into the paint. Because one of the things about Golden State I'm curious about to see this season is I think they're going to have a slight change in defensive identity. They were super underrated as a ball pressure team, right? JTA uh, and, and Porter, Gary Payton, especially. These are all guys that can get up into your jersey on offense. We'll get a lot of on-ball deflections and things like that. And so transitioning to more Kaminga minutes, to more Wiseman minutes, I think that that changes a little bit. And so to me, this is our guards is really where I go to. Lonnie and Russ in particular, our downhill guards 
in the minutes where Looney's on the floor and he's so good at that, like, I know exactly how far away I need to be from you to defend you. Al Horford is like this as well. Uh, so those are less like just give the ball to AD or just look for AD type of minutes. But those bench groups, Mike, where it's Wiseman and Kaminga back there, that's when you really turn it up, I think, to feature AD. So AD's jumper is going to be super important tonight. I'm also super interested in putting myself in Steve Kerr's shoes, right? Because we talked about who the ideal matchups are for the Lakers in terms of, okay, will you defend this dude? And and maybe maybe LeBron defending Looney is the actually the best way in order to deploy the Lakers defensive schemes. Well, with Looney and Draymond both starting, right? But the Lakers playing small, the best matchups typically for the Warriors are for Draymond to defend AD and for Wiggins mm, mm-hmm. to defend LeBron. But that leaves really no right. one for Looney to guard unless Looney right. is on Russell Westbrook, which there's potential for that. If this was a playoff series, that may very well be be the thing. Remember, the Warriors won their first title by saying, hey, Andrew Bogut, <laughs> right. you're actually going to defend Tony Allen. Right. In order to make the strategic alignment work. And so if this was a playoff game, maybe that would be the case. Or maybe Steve Kerr is just going to go full pop mode and just troll. Right. And just do it that way. But assuming he doesn't go in in that direction, Wiggins then gets to sort of be like, oh, hey, I don't have to guard LeBron. Who am I shutting down today? Oh, you want me to basically destroy Russell Westbrook? like in on ball actions and make sure that he can't really run pick and rolls or I'm going to disrupt those, those things. Oh, you want me to clamp down on Lonnie Walker. Right. And so that then to me makes it so that maybe you do have to attack Looney with AD in, because that might actually be your best entry point in order to start to create functional offense through the post and basically this is why i get back to the idea that ad's jumper is going to be super important one of the reasons why he had 28 points he he Mm -hmm. didn't score 28 points against james wiseman right he he started out hitting jumpers against looney and it's just like oh step back from from ad oh turn and face jab pull up oh this is the shot you're giving me well i'm gonna make it now what and then in the third quarter when he's against looney Or maybe it was the second quarter. It was, oh, I'm going to show that jumper, but now it's hard from the left block. But now it's hard dribble with my right hand, a shoulder bump, drop step baseline, lefty hook from from six feet. And now it's like I've got the whole whole thing going. And then when it was Wiseman, it was just like, okay, we're going to run pick and roll. I'm going to get downhill on you. I'm going to do all of these things where you don't have the same craft to disrupt our two man game actions because you're. James Wiseman and you've played 20 NBA games in your entire life, right? And so AD's jumper is super valuable over the course of the entire season, but I think it's especially so against a team like the Warriors where they have multiple players to defend LeBron well, right? And while they have multiple guys to defend AD well, only one of those guys is going to be on him at any given time, and they're going to likely trust that guy to play in single coverage. Right. And so I it goes back to AD to me, Mike, and is the jumper falling and how aggressive is is he? Because Kerr's not the type to double team really much at at all. He wants his defense to be solid and he trusts his guys to get those stops. 
True for sure. And my final point would just be about LeBron. Then what level of LeBron mm-hmm. are we going to see from an attack standpoint? Is he going to come out early and establish himself going downhill? Is he going to ease into things and see how the rest of his teammates are responding? What is his mindset going into this one? And how many minutes is, is he going to play? All of that, I think, is still with with acknowledging AD and the kind of matchup where he could take advantage of. I still think that LeBron is the tone setter in that sense for the Lakers. And I'm curious what he does tonight. I mean, watching a rival get their championship ring, you know, that hopefully that uh, that informs some of the tone. Hopefully we come out with the chip on our shoulder and uh, and ready to compete tonight. Very excited. We're finally here at the real games. We will be back tomorrow to discuss how it went. But until then. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around right. for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.